Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In ancient times, God's dwelling place on earth with his people was the tabernacle erected in the wilderness according to the detailed instructions that Moses received from Jehovah on Mount Sinai. The outermost boundary of that tabernacle was constructed of white linen hangings or curtains all around, giving it what must have been a very striking appearance as one approached it from afar. In biblical typology, White linen represents righteousness. How fitting that the first impression of God's house in the Old Testament was righteousness. How about the church today? Well, stay with us as we continue this life study of the book of Exodus for a penetrating portrait of the house of God and the sphere of righteousness on today's life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Matt Miller here, and Matt, a couple of verses here to maybe orient our listeners. I'll read from Exodus 27, just two verses, 9 and 10. And you shall make the court of the tabernacle. On the south side southward there shall be hangings for the court of fine twined linen, a length of 100 cubits for one side. And its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets shall be of bronze, the hooks of the pillars and their connecting rods shall be of silver. Mainly, we're going to focus today on the linen and the bronze. If we have time, hope we can touch the matter of silver. That's the redemption of Christ, and we uh, never want to skip past that. But at any rate, Matt, if we're to continue reading this chapter, we'd see that the whole exterior, all four sides, was constructed the same, white linen and bronze pillars. These two materials very, very significant. We mentioned at the beginning that the linen typifies righteousness. Maybe you can help us uh, to see where else in Scripture we see that. But what about the bronze pillars and the sockets that they were set in? Yeah, Chris, the first verse I'd like to refer to is Revelation 19.8, where it talks about the bride of Christ. It was given to her that she should be clothed in fine linen, bright and clean, For the fine linen is the righteousnesses of the saints. So you can see there that the fine linen in the Old Testament is described in the New Testament as the righteousnesses of the saints. So when we see the tabernacle from afar, we see white linen representing a righteous appearance to the world because this is the outer court we're talking about. So before we got on the program today, Chris, you and I, we went and talked to a an Old Testament Hebrew scholar right. who showed us pictures to make it clear that uh, the holy place and the holy of holies inside is actually covered with porpoise skins. So when you see the inner court, you see porpoise skins. But when you look at the outer court, which we're talking about today, you see fine linen. Now, the other thing you mentioned, Chris, is the bronze. From the outside, you don't see the bronze because you only see the curtains, the fine white linen. When you go inside, now you see the structure of what's holding up the righteousness, which is bronze representing the judgment. 
We'll see some more about today practically what that means. Yeah, these two matters of the righteousness typified by the white linen, the judgment typified by the bronze, both the pillars and the sockets, will really be the focus. But in our first section, as we were discussing, you know, in past programs, particularly when we were in the Holy of Holies, we were dealing with the holiness of God. Now, here in the outer court, we're talking about the righteousness. And to a lot of believers, I think maybe they're not so clear about the distinction between these two things. I think we'll get to that in this first section. Here's Witness Lee. You look at the uh, entire situation of the tabernacle with its outer court. The entire situation indicates two main things, righteousness and holiness. You may say, oh, we know these two words in dictionary. We know righteousness and we know holiness. And especially among the Christians, they like to talk about holiness. Holiness. According to my knowledge, Christians are very desirous to be holy. Uh, They don't talk so much about righteousness. In the Bible, righteousness is mentioned more than holiness. The most important verses in Ephesians 4.24, it says the new man will have an image of God in what? In the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Here you have righteousness and holiness mentioned together of the truth. The new man either growing up or being renewed into an image of God. And this image of God is in two things. In righteousness and holiness. The new man will be renewed into the image of God in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Surely, this must not be a small thing. When you read such a verse, you shouldn't take it for granted. Now, let's look at this entire situation. Suppose you are one coming from afar to the tabernacle. When your sight could reach the tabernacle, what do you see? You see, my, a condition of fine linen. You see a picture of a scenery. Nothing but fine linen. Nothing but the white linen. In other words, nothing but righteousness. It is so interesting to see that the entire appearance of the uh, outside view of the tabernacle is linen. And the entire appearance of the coming bride prepared for Christ is also what? Linen. And today God's kingdom is linen. It's righteousness. And eternity in the heavens and the earth Righteousness. This is why I say to get the uh, spiritual significance of uh, the uh, 
outer court of the tabernacle is not so easy. Such a righteousness becomes the sphere of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was set up in such a sphere. The whole sphere is what union. The whole sphere is righteousness. Well, Matt, I'm really glad you read that verse in、uh, Revelation 19 about the bride connecting the appearance of the bride here to what Witness Lee has just given us as the appearance of the tabernacle from afar. The tabernacle is this stark, striking, lovely, pure white. Feature off in the desert、It、must have been something to approach it,、mm-hmm. and the bride when she's prepared has this garment covering every part of her of white linen. I'd like to come to that, but before we do, just spend a minute if you would helping us to understand what is the difference between the righteousness of God and the holiness of God. Yeah, I think that's good, Chris, because a lot of Christians will、uh, stress one or the other and focus on one. Well, actually, the verse that Witness Lee referred to in Ephesians four twenty four refers to both of these words. I'll read the verse again. It says, "Put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness of the reality or of the truth." Righteousness, on the one hand, is to be right with God and right with man according to a, the righteous way of God.、Mm-hmm. God has a righteous way, and we need to be right with man and right with God according to that righteous way. But holiness is godliness. Holiness is our devoutness toward God. So mainly, righteousness is toward man, and holiness is mainly toward God. Holiness, to me, also I think implies the nature of God. His holiness, of course, his his deeds, his doings are certainly righteous, and we must be righteous in our deeds, as you said, toward God and toward man. Holiness is when we're, you know, partaking of the divine nature. It seems like perhaps that's when there's an impartation or a transaction involving God's holiness to the measure that we, as redeemed human beings, can ever、uh, enjoy or participate in that. That's good, Chris. In fact, I was thinking of the Ten Commandments, and how in the first four of the Ten Commandments it refers to the nature of God, and then the final six of the Ten Commandments refer to the acts or the the righteous carrying out of our activities.、Mm-hmm. That that underscores the point that righteousness is our, the acts toward others; holiness is the nature or our relationship toward God. Hmm. Okay, for just a moment, Matt. Let's come back to、um, a point you raised at the beginning of the program, and, and we just heard again about the appearance here of the bride. And of course, we know that the bride of Christ refers to、uh, the church in its perfected or most sanctified condition just prior to the Lord's coming, don't we? Yes. What a wonderful picture of a bride wearing a white garment, a wedding gown. And so, this is the aspect of the church. That we see today is the aspect of the bride with the white wedding garment, the righteous expression. There are other aspects of the church, of the new man, the warrior, but the focus here with the church, the church should have a righteous expression. When you come to the church, there should be an impression of righteousness. I was thinking、uh, when I was in college, I played basketball, and the coach. Uh, knew I was a Christian. All the players knew I was a Christian. And one time, the coach was cursing. You know, some swear words came out of his mouth, which is kind of common on a basketball court. Yeah. And he turned to me in front of the whole team and said, "Oh, Matt, sorry about that. I'm sorry." When we bear the testimony of the Lord, we bear white linen. 
we bear some righteousness. It's, it's not our righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Christ lived out through us. So, Matt, that really should be the appearance of the church. Of course, it will be not just the appearance, but the condition of the church when the Lord comes to receive and take his bride. Um, This next section begins with an interesting contrast, because in uh, Corinthians, Paul is dealing with a church that does not have an appearance of fine white linen. Let's join Witness Lee once again. Paul was so strong and so frank in telling the church of Corinth to cast away the sinful ones from the church life. Why was he that bold? Why was he that frank? Because the church is the kingdom of God, which is righteousness. Nothing wrong should be in the church. The church must be in such a sphere, a sphere of righteousness. And this righteousness is also the boundary. Outside the church, just a mess. Outside the church, everything is black. But in the boundary, within this sphere, everything is white. Outside the church, nothing is under any control. But in the church, everything is under control. Everything is properly regulated. Who regulates this? The Spirit. The Spirit. And out of this Spirit, the life supply, righteousness issues to be the very regulation, even expression of the righteous God. These hangings are made of fine linen. And fine linen signifies righteousness of God. Righteousness is hanging upon what? Upon pillars. And these pillars are standing on the sockets. When you look at the tabernacle afar off, you see the white linen. Then you begin to wonder from where the white linen comes. The white linen is hanging on the pillars. And the pillars are standing on the sockets. Both the pillars and the sockets are made of bronze. And uh, the uh, white linen is hanging upon this bronze. What does this mean? This simply means that the righteousness of God comes out of God's righteous judgment. From outside, the main thing you can see is white linen. But when you come into the court from inside, you look at the most striking thing is the bronze. From outside, you see just the white linen. The circuits are at their very bottom. They are not so striking. The striking thing from outside White linen. But when you come in, firstly, you see the bronze altar. You see all the bronze pillars with the sockets. And this indicates what? This indicates the righteousness of God comes out of the judgment of God. 
the righteous judgment of God issues in his righteousness. Matt, there actually were several points that he touched in this section. And at the end, the strong uh, point regarding the bronze representing God's judgment and the connection between righteousness and judgment. Largely, that will be our focus in the third section. We can touch it in this one. But I want to come back to the first part of what we heard in this second portion. When he's uh, mentioning the kingdom aspect, reminds me that in Romans, Paul says the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. I enjoyed the little testimony, the story that you told about your days as a basketball player. I'd like to maybe tell a short story. And this is one you can relate to because we were together. We're about halfway around the world at a very large conference uh, of believers, dear believers. In fact, we had 30,000 or so under one roof. And we were there for two days, and they were long sessions and very intense, in a sense, because there was a lot crammed into short periods of time. And of these 30,000 people, I couldn't help but be impressed by how orderly, how peaceful it was. There was no sign even of any security or police. And for two days, there was just an atmosphere of righteousness, joy, and peace. And what was regulating, maintaining the order, was not a strong leading brother or minister. You really felt that those 30,000 were under the ruling inwardly of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, didn't you? Yeah, Chris, I remember one of the ones in charge of that venue for the church that was putting on that function with over 30,000 people in one place at one time commented that other groups that rent that facility have a lot of problems. You know, they have all kinds of disorder and confusion or chaos. And and yet with this group, we're all under the ruling of the kingdom of God. And that verse, Romans fourteen seventeen says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. But the first thing is the kingdom of God is righteousness. So outside the church, outside that white curtain boundary, is chaos. Right. Disorder. In the world, apart from Christ, we have chaos, disorder, confusion. And yet when we come into the church, when we come into the kingdom of God, and I say this in a proper way because sometimes a church building may not be proper. So people may have a concept of it, but in the kingdom of God, according to the New Testament, when you come into this reality, there is order. And you see this big bronze altar, which we'll touch in the next section. But the Lord does something in each one of us personally to bring us under a kind of ruling, bring us into an order and a righteousness. We become right with God and right with man. When the church is right meaning it's in the realm of righteousness, it's not due to our personal or uh, even collective effort or endeavoring. It really is an indication. The only real righteousness and real uh, atmosphere of righteousness comes from the Spirit ruling directly. Then when we're under the life-giving Spirit and Christ ruling within our hearts, that really constitutes the reality of the kingdom, doesn't it? Amen. Okay, let's go on to our third section. We're now seeing, uh, as we've come to the inside of the courtyard, we looked at it from outside, as you pointed out, where all we see is this lovely white linen. We get inside, and there's a lot of bronze. The pillars are bronze, the sockets are bronze, the altar is bronze, the labor is bronze, and that is very significant because to have that righteous appearance, we can't get there without the bronze. 
The entire view of the outer court shows everything was judged by God. And everything was under God's judgment. And still is. You look at the situation, shows you one thing, that everything is under God's condemnation. Everything is under God's judgment. Whatever God is judged, it becomes righteous. Today, in the church life, everything must be under God's judgment. Your nature, your mouth, your talk, your speaking, your tongue, your two feet, your action, your two hands, your doing, everything must be under God's judgment. I must tell you, dear saints, if you are not under God's judgment today, you can never be right with anyone. Do you have the white linen? You say yes. Then I will ask, out of what you have the white linen? Your righteousness should be hanging on the bronze pillar. Whatever we are, whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we uh, have, is altogether under God's condemnation. You just condemn yourself. Put yourself under God's judgment. Then you will have no problem. You will have no problem with your parents. You will have no problem with your children. You will have no problem with your husband, with, with your wife. You will have no problem with the entire church. The bronze pillars stand on the bronze sockets. Nowhere the white in the hangings could be. Could you see this? Nowhere. No place. It can exist. Its existence Altogether depends upon God's judgment. We all need to be judged. Every day. In everything. Need to be judged. Oh. To be right. Is not so simple. To be righteous. Depends upon God's judgment. Look at the picture. The white linen is hanging on the bronze. Without the brand, there's no place for the white linen to exist. Without God's judgment, how could you have righteousness? Without being judged by God, how could you be right with anyone? No, you cannot be right with anyone. So, we need to see God's dwelling place must be in a sphere with a boundary of righteousness. And this righteousness could only be when we are under God's righteous judgment. And God's judgment produces this righteousness to be the boundary and the sphere for God's dwelling place. Well, Matt, we've we've seen some wonderful types unfolded in this message. We've heard some marvelous points. This last section is very experiential. It's very subjective. And I think uh, it would be good for us to spend a little time so to be clear with our listeners what it really means to be judged by God, because I think our natural concept may lead us in a wrong direction. But what that real experience is like in terms of producing this wonderful sphere of righteousness that he's talking about. So with that, I'll leave it to you. I might jump in with a comment in a minute or two. Yeah, Chris, in the life study, this section is on page uh, 
1271, in case our listeners want to go back and read this, it's talking about righteousness issuing from judgment. And the point that Witness Lee's making here is that it's hard to be right if we're not judged ourselves. The problems come in relationships when we are always trying to justify ourselves, to vindicate ourselves. We're not willing to admit we're wrong. And just to be clear, when Witness Lee says the righteousness comes from God's judgment, that means we're not judging others. Right. And I was, as I was listening to this, I was thinking uh, from our practical experience with my own wife, you know, to be with my own wife, if I go to her and try to judge her, that doesn't end in a right situation. No. But usually what brings in the righteousness is when I apologize. I'm sorry. The Lord judges me in, in my attitude, judges me in my words. And the judgment is upon us. The judgment is not on others. We shouldn't have the concept that this would all be right if this person would just get judged and everything would be right. That's exactly the opposite of what we're talking about, because now that very thought is the problem, because you are justifying yourself and not willing to accept God's judgment on you. Yeah, I'd like to just pick up on that, continue this experiential development a little bit, because my experience is exactly the same as yours. We never really ever improve the situation by trying to straighten out others. It always seems like when we ourselves are brought into the light, you know, that draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And usually when he is drawing nigh, it comes with a pretty bright shining. And we see things in ourselves or in uh, maybe things we were just doing moments ago and had no consciousness of their real effect. But in God's light, all of a sudden we're kind of mortified at what we had just done. And it's not that we then apply some sort of self-corrective to improve the situation. No, we just accept God's judgment, guilty as charged. We confess. Then we receive the cleansing. And we shouldn't forget, this is a point that will be developed in our next broadcast, and that is the pillars are bronze, the sockets are bronze, the linen is attached with silver connectors. And of course, that's the redemption of Christ. So that judgment doesn't lead us to self-improvement. That judgment always leads us to realize again our need for the precious cleansing blood of Christ. Amen, Chris. I just want to say I agree 100% with what you said. And what a wonderful picture in the Bible. These things are not by mistake in the tabernacle. These silver clasps. It's not a mistake that you see from the outside white linen. And you get inside and you're surrounded with bronze, which represents God's judgment. And God's righteousness is hanging on that judgment. Mm. And this is very experiential, and it's all to help us in our experience today in the church. Right. Well, Matt, I've really enjoyed our time together. always do. And, and again, looking forward now to the rest of these programs on the outer court or the, the court of the tabernacle. And if... They continue in such a marvelous way. We have a lot in store for ourselves and for our listeners because we're all on the same journey together. Amen, Chris. What a joy to participate. Good to have you. Thanks for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can email us, radio 
at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.